Before we get started, I want to just tell you kind of where we're going with today's message. Today's message is simply entitled, Come Home. Come Home. Today, we're going to look at key truths about us all. We're going to look at some key pitfalls that can affect any of us and have at any point in time, and then key steps back to God. I don't want to just diagnose a problem. I want to give you the solutions. I want to begin by sharing some very basic truths about us all. If you have your worship guide, you've got a pen with you. I hope you'll take notes. The first thing is this, letter A, the truth about us all. Number one, we all fall short. We all fall short. And I'm, I'm sure some of you are like, duh, pastor, you know, or like, like, tell me something I don't already know. Okay. But I want you to understand I'm in that same club with you. And sometimes I have to remember there is a God. I'm not him. There is one that was perfect. I'm not him. We all fall short of God's glory. We are all desperate in need of a savior. Listen, God wouldn't have needed to send Jesus if we were perfect. So he sent a perfect savior as a perfect sacrifice. Listen, we're all in desperate need of Jesus. We all must continually allow God. I want you to hear this. You have to allow God to deal with your sin. If you could overcome it by yourself, you wouldn't need him. Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standards. There's not one of us in here, whether we think so or not, that's not a sinner. And the only difference between someone who's a Christian is you're a sinner saved by grace, instead of just a, a sinner bound for hell. But secondly, the truth about us all is this, we all battle inside. We all battle inside. Whether we call ourselves a Christian or not, we have this continual battle raging within us. In fact, I would actually say that's even stronger for a true believer in Christ because now you have the Spirit of God at work that thinks in contrast to the Spirit of the flesh. We all battle with human fears, human sin. But praise God, with Christ in our lives, we're able to overcome the sin. But there's always this inside battle. Look at James 4.1. It says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? We don't like to think of ourselves as evil, do we? Listen, you can have God in you and you can have good in you and still have evil. Listen, even as believers in Christ, there's this, still this battle raging within us. Just because I give my life to Christ, listen, that doesn't omit me from the battle. In fact, it, it makes the enemy realize that I'm now a threat to his kingdom. A battle between good and evil is happening between you, between the spirit of God within you and the flesh within you. Galatians 5.17 says the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. I think sometimes people don't understand that it's normal to have this battle within them. Doesn't mean that, it's, that you can excuse your sin. You know, when you know better, you should do better. When God, listen, the difference between Satan and God is this. Satan just puts guilt upon you. God puts conviction within you. Satan says, hey, you know what? You're nothing. And, and, and then God comes along and says, you're something. Listen, it says these two forces are constantly fighting each other. You are not free to carry out your 
good intentions. But thirdly, the truth about us all is this. We all get off track. We all get off track. Now, I can't speak for you, but um, if you feel like me, I want you in a moment to look at your neighbor in the face and say, listen, I know I'm a hot mess. Now, some of you spouses, what you do with your spouse, you're like, listen, I know you a hot mess, okay? That's going to get you all ready for Valentine's Day, okay? Um, so I'm letting you know, hey, your preacher's a hot mess. If you need to be excused at this point, now that you've discovered that, but most of you, you were going to discover it anyway. You're going to be like, listen, is this guy normal? No, I'm not. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. If, listen, if not for the grace of God and the strength of God, where would we be? I don't know where I would be. Listen, while my deepest desire is to do God's will, I can truly sit here and tell you that, I find that I just continually fall short. Why? Because I'm a sinner saved by grace. Listen, constantly and always, I'm in need of a Savior named Jesus, a great man of God who was very close to God, a man named the Apostle Paul. He admitted this in Romans seven fifteen. He said, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Can you not resonate with that? Listen to that again. The Apostle Paul, who knew the Scripture inside and out, he said, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. You know the reason why we need to come together? Because it's so easy to get off track. People say, what, what in the world is the value of the church? Listen, uh, uh, accountability, reminders, encouragement, truth. Sometimes you just can't get there on your own. Listen, even when we wholeheartedly desire to be in the center of God's will, listen, the devil does all he can to keep you off track. He's trying right now to distract you, to try to get you to think on anything else other than what he's pipelining through me right now. Galatians 5, 7 and 8 says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. Listen, maybe today you're listening and you feel like your life is falling apart. Or maybe you say, well, hey, my life has been falling apart. I would like to point out to you some of the main reasons why that happens outside of just the fact that we are so naturally uh, led astray. Let's look at letter B. Life falls apart when, number one, we think that we've figured it out. Life falls apart when we think we figured it out. Because when I think I've got it figured out, I don't need God. I run ahead of God. I begin to drift from God. Listen, God never moves from you. You move from God. God's always sitting there with arms outstretched. And when I begin to drift, here's the, here's the signs of that. I quit praying. Listen, you always know you're not leaning heavily on God when you're not praying often to God. You always know you're not really leaning on God when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're not praying much. When you don't open up that Bible, what do you do when you're really searching for answers and the truth from God? All of a sudden, you dust off the dustiest book in most households. You're like, well, I think I might try to find a scripture or two that might could help me right now. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. Listen, until I humble myself before God, I'm, I'm, I'm 
straying away from God. I'm trying to play God. I'm, I'm, I'm considering equality with God something to be grasped when the Scripture says that's not the way we should approach things. Jesus, he emptied himself. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Listen, my life starts falling apart anytime I think I've figured things out, and we've all been there before. Look at Proverbs 14, 12. It says there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Listen, just because your gut feels it doesn't mean God said it. You got to make sure you don't let your gut be your God. Secondly, life falls apart when we create our own plans. Life falls apart when we create our own plans. Listen, every day we wake up with one of two perspectives. Either you roll out of the bed and you say, God, show me what your plan is for my life and I'll walk in that blessed path. Or you wake up and you go, well, God, I've made my plans. Will you please bless them? Listen, if you create your own agenda, your plans are bound to fail. I want you to write that down. If you create your own agenda, your plans are always bound to fail. They might even look good for a while, but they will still prove to not work. I've watched many a person who kept taking steps in the flesh, and they thought everything was good. Well, it was, but it wasn't God. There's a difference. I want you to write that down. There's a difference between good and God. Yes, God is good, but there's a difference between your good intentions versus God's leadership in your life. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Ephesians 5.17 says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Listen, anytime we try to put together our own agenda, it just means we're living stupid. I've lived stupid plenty of times. You can live stupid in your marriage. You can live stupid as a parent. You can live stupid as a, as a young person, as an older person. Listen, life falls apart anytime we start creating our own plans. Listen, the moment that you start taking your next right step instead of God's next right step, you're already off track. When we try to put together God's will, versus seeking God's will. Listen, you don't have to understand God's will. You're, you're not, your job is not to figure out God's will. Your job is to seek God's will. Your job is not to question God's will. Your job is to trust God's will. God may lead you to something or be leading you to things. None of it makes any sense to you. doesn't have to make sense. Listen, it still doesn't make sense to me that I'm a preacher. I'm like God. I'm the one that said um, the only ministry I would ever be in since I did grow up a pastor's son is I plan to be in clown ministry. That's why you hear so many jokes. Listen, I got, different, I, got, I got jokes for days if you keep laughing. Doesn't mean it's all laughable. Sometimes you're laughing with me. Sometimes you're laughing at me. I do understand there's a difference, okay? I would like to get to the point to where I become a better joke teller to where you're laughing with me instead of at me. Some of you know you're guilty. God's giving you conviction right now. You're like, listen, yes, I do think that pastor, as my youngest son would say, he's just a little bit not there. But I can tell you this, what I am there on, I understand if I want it to be good, it's gotta make sure, I got to make sure it's God. If I want it to be good, i got to make sure it's God. Number three, life falls apart when we attempt anything without Jesus. Life falls apart anytime we attempt anything without Jesus. The Christian life, this is very important for you to understand, as fundamental as it might sound, the Christian life has never been about what we can do, but what Christ has done and what Christ can do through you and me. It's you releasing the controls. Quit blaring, Jesus, take the wheel in your car and not meaning a word of it. 
because that's what we do often. Listen, by grace through faith in Christ alone are we saved. Are we now headed to heaven because of Jesus instead of hell, which our sins make us deserve? Listen, only in Christ can we become all that God created us to be. Jesus is always, I want you to write this down, Jesus is always the power source. You, you always are going to feel like you're losing power when you are doing your own thing instead of your little hand in Jesus' big hand. John 15, 5, it's my life first. It is my life first. I've had it written in the front of any Bible I've ever had. John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you know when my ministry, do you know when my life slips the most? Is when I think I can do something apart from Christ. And therefore, my humility is left. My pride is leading the way at that moment. Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I want you to notice there's nowhere in the Bible it says you can do everything. That's why I kind of don't like the, 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 the saying, even though I understand what they're saying when they say, Be all that you can be. No, 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 no. Be all that he made you to be. And you can only do that by being all that, that, that in Christ you can be. So your, your potential with you leading the way is very limited. Very limited. If you hadn't run into yourself, it's just you haven't lived long enough to do so. You'll run into it eventually. I want to share with you the main purpose of this message today. If, if, if for whatever reason you feel, let's just say you're that person, you feel a million miles away from God right now. I want to share with you how to come home. And I want you to understand that what I'm going to share with you right now is always the road to get back to God. I want to make clear to you, um, as I share with you right now, one of the greatest stories and parables that Jesus ever shared. It's called the lost son. In other, other Bibles, it may say it's the prodigal son. Jesus often used parables and stories to illustrate a meaningful truth. And that's what he does here. Look at letter C. Let's look at what the journey home requires. Look with me up at the screen. Luke 15 verses 11 through 31. I'm just going to read through this once. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this young son, he packaged up all of his belongings. He moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money on while living. About that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and, and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and yet here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Verse 20 says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming 
He was filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him. He kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet uh, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. He said, your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate the killing, the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I want you to take notes before we even get to the notes. I want to share with you several things we see here that I want to point out that I just read to you. First of all, this son who left his father's house, who was providing, by the way, everything that he ever needed and more, he had a good thing, okay? By the way, I'm just going to say this for the children in the house. Sometimes you think you got it bad, but you don't really realize you got it good. Because listen, life will reveal to you it just doesn't get easier, unfortunately. It just doesn't get easier. Listen, this son left chose to leave his father's house. He thought, number one, he thought he could make it without his father. He thought he could make it without his father. He also, secondly, he set out to live life on his own terms by his own rules. He created his own agenda. And then he thought he had figured it out. So he asked his father to go ahead and, and give him his hefty inheritance so he could be on his way. The next thing this prodigal son discovered was, was what it's like to really be in need and how much he didn't have life figured out, and how much he desperately needed the help of the Father. And I want you to realize that what we just read, it was simply a parable. It's a story that Jesus has used and wants to use to speak truth to you and me, even now. What we find here is how we too can come home to our Heavenly Father, to a Father who we desperately need in our lives. How we too can can quit wandering aimlessly, helplessly, and hopelessly in a dark world. I want to share with you some things we learned from this parable. Number one, the journey home requires sincere brokenness. The journey home requires sincere brokenness. Listen, the prodigal son experienced true brokenness as all his luck. And his money ran out. By the way, you ever notice that goes hand in hand? As soon as your bank account goes low, all of a sudden you start praying. You're like, dear Lord, and I'm not sure if there's any money in that ATM machine, Lord, but if it is, please keep it there and let me not go into the negative. Most of us have been there before, hadn't we? This, this, uh, listen, 
Until life reveals to us our brokenness, we don't realize our brokenness. Luke 15, 13 through 16 says, A few days later, this young son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. You know that's hungry. Now listen, if you don't like dukes, please do not raise your hand because you probably don't know Jesus. But, but, but listen, we're not talking about Duke's barbecue. We're talking about the food that they feed the barbecue. You got to be pretty hungry. You got to be pretty desperate. Um, my, my dad, my dad shared with me some interesting things that he's eaten uh, when he was um, uh, uh, away for nine months fighting for his life in, in, in Vietnam. Uh, he ate all kind of stuff. I got, I got to just go ahead and give you the top of my list. Is when dad, I, as soon as my dad started talking about eating a beetle, I started, uh, that was worse than watching somebody um, bleed, uh, talking about eating a beetle. If you've ever eaten something crazy, you know what I'm saying. You're not going to eat something crazy other than when you're young and you're stupid, you do a lot of things. So maybe some of you have done stuff and maybe you weren't sober. But this guy was sober. But he was so hungry, he was so desperate. He's like, listen, I'll just take what the pigs have. Listen, sometimes we forget where life comes from. Sometimes we forget the goodness and the greatness of God. Sometimes we forget who pays the bills. I want you to hear me on that. Sometimes we forget who pays the bills. Sometimes we forget who is holding us together. Sometimes we forget who can bring us to our knees at any moment. Listen, I, here's something God gave me. We often must become totally broken before we realize our brokenness. We often must become totally broken before we realize our brokenness. It is often in the brokenness. Listen, it is in the brokenness that it truly leads to you to openness. I, I normally find this to be true with most people. The people who are most desperately seeking God are the people who run into me that are humble and hungry. They're humble and hungry. In fact, uh, I was just telling a gentleman and his wife just this week, the fact I, I, I don't waste my time. You're going to think this is harsh when I say this. I do not waste my time spending time with people who are not humble and hungry. I've got too many people that would like to meet with me. I have to be very picky and cheesy with my time. I have to make sure that God wants me to be right where I'm at. And, that, and, and i got to make sure that that person uh, even cares about picking up what God's laying down. And a person's not there until they get broken. You've got to be empty of yourself. You've got, you got to recognize your brokenness. And then you'll be open to what God wants you to do. You can write down this scripture reference, Psalm 51, 17. Psalm 51, 17, it's not up on the screen, but, but, it, but here's what it says. It says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and a repentant heart. Oh God, listen, when you truly reach the end of you, you won't struggle with getting on your knees before him. But secondly, the journey home requires spiritual awakening. Your journey home requires spiritual awakening. Listen, this lost son, he finally had a spiritual awakening. Luke 15, 17 says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. You can't tell me that, that, it's, that, that, you, that you are really moving towards God until you come spiritually alive. 
until you're like, listen, you know what? My greatest battle is spiritual. You know what? I need to turn everything over to God. You know what? I need to come to my senses, and I need to get down. I need to get over myself and into God's will. Listen, for your life to, to fall into place and not just keep falling apart, you've got to become spiritually awake. Listen, most people are spiritually sleepwalking through life. Plenty of them are um, uh, quoting scripture verses. Now, that's not what most people think, but that's the reason why, listen, there's plenty of people go to church every weekend, week out, and they're still walking spiritually dead. Because if you're not walking and remaining in him, you know, you're remaining in you. And, and listen, we're not trying to give you a pep talk. I mean, I, I do want you to understand. I mean, Sundays, I look at it as it's a pep rally. It's a pep rally. Here's where, the, here's where the members meet. There's where the mission goes. I really believe, by the way, I think, I think the future of the church, I want you to know this, I think the future of the church will not look like church as we've known it. The future of the church is going to be this. The future of the church is going to be, hey, you know what? Those who are believers will huddle up, and then those who truly want to reach a lost and dying world will go out there. And you will help us love, lift, and lead people to Jesus. Listen, you've got to realize your desperate need for Jesus, not just for today, but every day. You've got to experience a spiritual awakening. Look at Ephesians 5, 14. It says, this is why I said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Listen, you got to get right before things can get right. you got to get right before things can get right. You can't expect the peace of God when you aren't in the will of God. Many are spiritually dead, spiritually lost. Many are spiritually sleepwalking through life. Here's another word God gave me. Until your spiritual eyes are opened, you will continue to sleepwalk through life. Until your spiritual eyes are opened, you will continue to sleepwalk through life. For your life to resurrect, you must quit spiritually sleepwalking through your life. You have to understand, listen to me, we're living in a complex society. It is not easy to live out there. I'm, I'm acknowledging that even, even if I didn't have certain things going on in my life right now, regardless of what the challenges are that, that find you in this season, life is tough. Most of the world is full of darkness. You got to stay in the light. Scripture says, you will seek me you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I want you to write that down. You got to remember that. You have to seek God with all your heart. That's how you get spiritually woke. Listen, many want the full blessing of God, yet they continue to call the shots in their own life. Listen, you are not, the Bible says this, as Christians, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Your body, literally, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Those who refuse to wholeheartedly surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ they cannot experience the fullness of Christ. But thirdly, the journey home requires total surrender. If you don't get to this point, none of the other points matter. All the others are steps, but this is where you've got to get total surrender. Luke 15, 18 through 19 says, the prodigal son says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. For I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. By the way, you are never fooling God. You are never fooling God. You have to be honest with yourself 
And you have to be honest with your God first before you can be honest with anybody else. It always starts there. My relationship with him impacts my relationship with others. Listen, this once lost son realized his brokenness. This once lost son, he came to his spiritual senses. He realized his need for his father. And and here's what he did. He swallowed his pride. He returned to his father and he repented of his sin. Listen, I want you to understand this. You can never have closeness with God without uh, um, repenting of sin. And it's got to be about everything. There can't be like, okay, well, there's one thing I'm not going to give him. Listen, you either get real or you can't get right. I'll put this up there. Many are spiritually stuck because they aren't willing to get over their pride and surrender all to Jesus. Many are spiritually stuck because they aren't willing to get over their pride and surrender all to Jesus. They are afraid to come to an altar or anywhere else because they don't want anybody to see their brokenness. Listen, I just go ahead and, um, and, and let you just see all of my stuff because I've found that that's the key to my liberty is to not wear a mask. Look, you know, the worst thing is for any Christian is to wear a mask and to act like everything's okay when it's not. You need to hear me. It's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to try to do things in your own strength. Listen, I'm here to tell you that until you totally surrender, your faith life is going nowhere. Now, I want you to never forget this. Coming home is just one step away. Coming home is just one step away. I love each of my boys. I've got four boys, 21, 19, 17, and 11. And my love for them would never change it will never change regardless of what they do. But what blows my mind, moms, as we celebrate you today, what blows my mind is that regardless of how much you love your child or our father loves their child, God the Father loves us more. His love is way beyond anything we could ever dream or imagine. That's why the Apostle Paul, by the way, he says, listen, um, I pray that you can know how deep, how wide how extreme the love of God is. Look at Luke 15, 20 through 24. It says, so, so the son returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him. He kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. By the way, scripture says that when when one sinner repents and comes to know the Lord, the angels in heaven throw a party. That's why we plan to throw some parties. We got some people awaiting baptism, and we're going to just keep. I, can't, I haven't got no dance moves, so let me not even try to do any of this. There's two things I should never do I should never pretend like I can dance, and I should never try to mimic anybody's voices because every voice I mimic sounds the same. I had to wake y'all up. But I want you to understand listen, the Father did not condemn him, he had total compassion towards him because he knew that the son was sincere. He was sincerely broken. He was sincerely surrendered. Listen, no matter how lost you feel, God will meet you with extreme grace and love. 
No matter how lost you feel, God will meet you with extreme grace and love. I don't, it doesn't, listen, I do care what you've done. I do care what you're going through. But God doesn't care. He loves you anyway. You won't go anywhere where the grace of God won't be there for you. And listen, you need to reach for that grace while there's still opportunity. Listen, my friends, to what Jesus is telling us here. It, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how unworthy you feel. God loves you. Jesus died for you. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, when you sincerely become broken over your sin, when you repent of your sins, and when you totally surrender your life to Jesus, your heavenly Father promises to forgive you of any and all sin, even if society doesn't forgive you, even if society doesn't forget. God says he, he throws our sins as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't hold them against us. Instead, he repurposes them and uses them for his glory. Your heavenly Father will gladly welcome you home right now. Your heavenly father will celebrate because you were once lost, but you're now found. You were once wandering aimlessly without purpose. Now you found your purpose. Now you've come home where you're safe, you're sound, and God will meet your needs. Listen, when you're right where God wants you to be, God will give you what you need right when you need it. My friends, humble yourself before the Lord. And the scripture says he'll lift you up. I think that's James 4.10. He'll lift you up. Look at James chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. By the way, I just have to say it. We have to quit as a society laughing about sin. We need to be broken about sin. Because sin is never a good thing for you or other people. I'm not saying that some people don't bring stuff for themselves. We all do. But listen, the grace of God is extended to all of us. Until you choose to come back home to God, until you choose to become broken over your sin, spiritually awakened, totally surrendered to God, your life will continue to feel shipwrecked. God will continue to feel distanced. But today, as you bow your heads with me, I'm inviting you, come close to God. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I pray for each and every person listening right now. I pray, God, that you would um, help them to, to know that your arms are open wide. Your love and your grace is greater than their greatest sin. It doesn't matter what they've done. You will forgive them. It doesn't matter where they've been, Lord, they can come home today. Lord, may they understand the first step forward is the first step down on their knees, humbling themselves to you. Lord, trusting that you will lift them up. And Lord, as they humble themselves before you, you will be lifted up in and through their life. 
God, I pray for that person today that they just, they, they feel a complete sense of lostness. Lord, may they understand that God so loved the world, that you gave your only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life in heaven. God, I pray if there's anyone listening right now that's never admitted their sin, ask you to forgive them of their sin, believed in your son Jesus who died on the cross for their sins and who was buried and arose the third day overcoming death and their sin for them. I pray, Lord, that if they've not yet confessed Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, they would do so today. Right now, God, may they say, Jesus, forgive me, come into my heart, take over my life. God, I pray for those who maybe came into this message, God, feeling totally a million miles away. God, I pray they would know they're just one step and one prayer away that you are the way maker. In Jesus' name, amen.